Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello, and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and joining me in the virtual studios in South Bend, Indiana, is my good friend and compatriot, and the man who all generations call blessed, Ken Hellenius. <laughs> Ken, how are you doing, my friend? <laughs> oh, I apologize to the Blessed Mother for that introduction. <laughs> Uh, see, that's the woman who all generations I, <laughs> call blessed. You are the man who all generations. See, difference there. No, it's good. Not taking I, anything away from Mary. No, I see. It, that's a, it's, a, it's a subtle but important distinction, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. I That is one of my favorite uh, kind of prayers. It comes up, of course, every day in the Liturgy of the Hours, in, in uh, evening prayer. Uh, at Vespers, we, we pray the canticle of the Blessed Virgin Mary as part of evening prayer. And really what's fascinating and delightful about that, of course, most people know it as the Magnificat. That's the, the first word in, uh, in Latin, my soul magnifies the Lord. Um, but Mary uh, and the, the Gospel of Luke, the, the evangelist Luke, really is pointing back to the prayer of Hannah in uh, in the Blessed Mother's words. She similarly uh, prays in great thanksgiving to the Lord for the blessings that she has received as herself as a practitioner of humility and as, as a humble person, but thanking the Lord for his great gift. And so the prayer of Hannah in uh, the Old Testament, in the book of Samuel, we learn about, uh, you know, the birth of Samuel, the prophet, uh, you know, to a woman who was considered barren. And uh, of course, Hannah was considered barren at the end of her life as, a, as an older woman without child. Mary, of course, is the Blessed Virgin Mary. I mean, she was young. She, was, she uh, didn't have a husband yet. She was betrothed, but she was not with husband. And so it's just a wonderful, you know, we talk so often about how the New Testament lies hidden in the old. And then the New Testament also reveals what's, what is buried in that Old Testament. And, and uh, this is one of those wonderful kind of a, what the kids might call a, a callback or a throwback uh, in the uh, in the Magnificat to the prayer of Hannah. Uh, that's right. That's right. Beautiful. Well, Deacon, <laughs> you know, speaking of somebody who intimately knew the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, who pondered all these things in her heart, because she was, uh, you know, a great title of hers is also the spouse of the Holy Spirit. And for many weeks now, we've been discussing the Holy Spirit and the way the Holy Spirit works in our lives, in our daily lives, in our in our discipleship as Christians. We too are disciples of the Blessed Virgin Mary's Son, Jesus Christ. And uh, the Holy Spirit is the active, you know, is God working in, in our lives and, and God, you know, guiding the church into all truth and towards salvation. And uh, so we've been exploring the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit, all of these ways the Holy Spirit acts in our lives. And we've come to the gift of wisdom, the, well, actually pretty much the most important and perfect of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And I'm really excited because wisdom is one of those things that uh, everybody talks about and everybody wants, but nobody knows how to get it. And yet God has made it really quite clear. Uh, it's through intimacy with him. So let's talk about wisdom tonight. Go ahead, smart guy. All right. 
<laughs> so so wisdom in Latin is sapientia. And, and so in the Septuagint in the Greek Old Testament is sapientia. And in, in the Hebrew, it's chokma, uh, which means wisdom. Now, interesting, it's a feminine word. Ah. See? So what happens is you, you have some professors, some teachers, uh, theologians, scholars, who will say then that, you know, wisdom comes from God, you know, and Jesus talks about wisdom. So in a sense, wisdom is the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is feminine, you know, because it, it's a feminine word, wisdom. But again, not not possible because if the Holy Spirit's feminine, how could Mary become pregnant? Through the Holy Spirit, right? That makes that makes no sense. Right. So, but you have to understand wisdom. Remember, it, it says in Genesis, male and female, he created them. So from God comes the image and likeness is male and female, but not in a biological sense, because God has no physicality, right? Until I mean, Christ, he, until the incarnation. Right. Well, yeah, God the Father, right? Right, so, right, right. He's the, the, so and Jesus does, but... So this is this is feminine aspect that flows from God, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's the heart of God's love. And so when you talk about wisdom, then in, in this feminine, I think it's part of God's love. You know, it's part of that. Uh, it's, you see, yeah, we don't have words that will adequately explain the reality, right? Because all of our human language and analogies always fall short when it comes to explain who God is. Right. Right. Um but this idea of wisdom being a, a feminine word, it's an outflow and overflowing of God's love. You know, uh, love is in both men and women, but love takes a particular root, roots itself in a particular way in a woman because she cooperates with the life-giving power of God. And so it's the wisdom that gives us this, not just knowing God head knowledge, right? But knowing God in this heart knowledge to know him intimately and personally, the the word there is yada in Hebrew. That's knowledge or wisdom that is gained by experience. So you have to experience something in order to know that thing. Sure. You know, uh, that's the word they use for, for example, uh, the conjugal act, like in Genesis four, right? Adam knew his wife Eve. Mm-hmm. You know, but there, but see, it's a wisdom in that. So it's not just I know her, I can see her intellectual. I could, you know, I can see all of these physical attributes that make her who she is wisdom goes deeper wisdom to know really know the spirit of that person see that it takes that kind of that's the wisdom that we're talking about here so when you see the word being wisdom like the wisdom books right in the old testament these are god teaching his people out of love out of love they're not commandments right like the 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 ascetic haribrot right the 10 words of god they're not commandments. They're teachings that enlighten us, that open our hearts more deeply to receive what God's spirit is giving us. That's the wisdom that they're talking about there. In some ways, what you're describing reminds me of uh, the Dominican motto, to contemplate and then to give to others the fruits of your contemplation. Wisdom is that fruit of contemplation, that fruit of actually intimately being in relationship with God and with the truth that we're contemplating. It's more than just exploring it from every aspect, but it's actually 
resting in it. It's actually kind of soaking in the presence of the beloved, in this case, the beloved truth, uh, or God the Holy Spirit. Those are the sorts of things that my mind has led to, as you're describing, uh, kind of an intimate knowledge of a truth is wisdom. No, exactly. And, you know, just like the way in the theological gifts, faith, hope, and love, how love, in a sense, embraces all the other ones, right? Because at the end, there's no more faith, there's no more hope, all there will exist is love, Uh right? Uh In the same way, wisdom kind of encompasses all the other gifts of the Holy Spirit, if, if you will. Not only does it strengthen and fortify the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, it enlightens the mind to help us to discern and to appreciate and to cherish things that are divine, to help us, whereas Jesus, pick up our cross and follow him, right? He says, take up your cross and follow, for the yoke is sweet or easy and the burden is light. Wait a minute, that makes no sense. What do you mean, picking up a cross? That that was a burden, that wasn't, right. but what is he talking about here? He's talking about looking at it through the eyes of wisdom, right? How does wisdom perfect the cross that we're given that that's that's the piece you know so it's actually a very beautiful concept again it's a supernatural way of thinking of something that in an earthly way we would never be begin to appreciate that aspect of it you know so so again wisdom is this, uh, this beautiful feminine aspect uh, again always referred to as she uh particularly in the in the old testament it's beautiful it is it's Wisdom has built herself a house, I think we, is, a, is a phrase we read uh, there. And, and uh, you know, as I was thinking about wisdom and kind of preparing for our conversation, I went and, and found a, a catechesis by Pope Francis from 2014, one of his Wednesday general audiences, in which he uh, spoke about wisdom. And he has some wonderful kind of reflections to offer us as well. He says, uh, wisdom is not simply human wisdom. But he says in the Bible, we're told that Solomon, at the time of his coronation as king of Israel, asked God for the gift of wisdom. And we read about this in the first book of Kings, chapter 3. And wisdom is precisely this. It's the grace of being able to see everything with the eyes of God. It's to see the world, to see situations, circumstances, problems, everything through God's eyes. Sometimes we see things according to our liking or according to the condition of our heart, says Pope Francis, or with love or with hate or with envy. No, this is not God's perspective. Wisdom is what the Holy Spirit works in us so as to enable us to see with the eyes of God. This is the gift of wisdom. And it requires intimacy, as we've been saying. With this intimate relationship we have with God, it's a similar relationship of what children have with their parents, right? When they they know their parents by being in their presence, by trusting them, then they learn who their parents are. And that then becomes, they, they know their parents in, in, in a way that people outside the family don't know. And that's what we're called to do as adopted sons and daughters of God, adopted in through our baptism into the family of God. We are called to know our parents. We are called to know God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Um, And this is the gift of wisdom that we are invited to enter into and to be in the presence of. Uh, Pope Francis says, when we are in communion with the Lord, the Holy Spirit transfigures our heart 
and enables it to perceive all of his warmth and predilection. And I think that's really kind of a wonderful invitation from Pope Francis to, again, to contemplate God the Father, to contemplate our parent, our divine parents. Yeah, I I love that. And that's really the lesson that we learn from this is seeing the image and likeness of God. You know, that's where wisdom comes in. Seeing someone the way God sees them, looking at someone through God's eyes, experiencing someone the way God experiences them in a sense, you know, entering into someone's story, entering into someone's experience. I think that's what made people like St. Vincent de Paul and others that work with the poor so great because they entered into that person's experience because, and and Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, of course, Mm -hmm. they saw the Lord in the person they were serving. And you can't, most people look at someone like that, they become completely appalled. You know, they just walk by the person, the smell and and everything else, you know, it turns them away. But seeing someone with wisdom, we begin to see the way God sees them. And appreciate the fact that despite whatever situation that they're in, that they're still loved and cherished by God and that we need to look at them and treat them as simple. That, that is just, that is an incredible concept. I mean, that's how we end racism. That's how we end homelessness. Ultimately, that's how we end all of this. It has to come through looking at someone with the eyes of, of God, with, you know, through, through Christ, you know, seeing Christ in that person. And that's what wisdom helps us to do. But just like anything else, we have to want to have that wisdom. We have to cooperate with what God wants to do in us, you know, because it, right. it, it, it doesn't happen naturally, you know, because our first thing is to be is to push away and be repulsed and kind of go into my own shell. But we have to come outside of ourselves, you know, to be Christ for others. That's something that we definitely need to do more of, I think, as Catholic, especially coming out of the pandemic. We need to be reaching out more as an incarnational people, as an incarnational church with the wisdom of God to really help that wisdom spread more widely throughout our culture today. Yeah. I'm reminded as you describe this kind of seeing the other, <laughs> I'm reminded of the experience of praying in like in praying at mass with people that I know outside of mass, I have disagreements with, you know, uh, maybe, you know, in the office or whatever, it, uh, or, whatever it may be. And I'm not saying about this about my day job, by the way. So if you, if I happen to work with you in my day job, you're not the person I'm talking about here. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, we can easily divorce our experience of praying with someone from when we're not inside the church, when we're not praying next to them. And what we are called to do is to set aside, you know, like even the Lord Jesus actually said, when when you go to pray, if you're conscious of having sinned against your brother or sister, set aside your gift and go and make reconciliation. Go and be reconciled with them. Then come and offer your gift to the Father. That's actually, again, beginning to see them as God sees them. God looks upon all of us and says, you are all my sons and daughters. God loves all people and wants them to be in relationship with him. That's why Christ came, right? And so if I'm conscious that this person that I'm going to be praying with is somebody that I have, you know, said bad things about or or whatever, I basically I've sinned against that person, I need to be reconciled to them because I need to see them as God sees them. 
that's the gift, the invitation and the challenge of the gift of wisdom. But it's also the insight that wisdom brings us to say, oh my gosh, this person is also my brother or sister in Christ. I need to be reconciled with them for the sake of the body of Christ, but also for my own sake too, and for their sake, because we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the invitation. No, exactly right. You know, and it's a beautiful liturgical dimension to wisdom as well, particularly in the Eastern rites of the church, right? I mean, the ones that are, well, I guess out even the Eastern Orthodox too, but right. but the churches that are um, are with the church, the uh, the Byzantine rites, you know, part of their liturgy includes wisdom, be attentive. It's a you know? beautiful <laughs> chant, right? And, and it's like an announcement from the deacon or from the subdeacon, right? I mean, this is mm-hmm. the, That's right. before yeah. the gospel kind of deal, if I'm right. Is this mm-hmm. the, the divine liturgy of St. John Chrysostom? The wisdom, be attentive, you know? Oh, man, it's fantastic. We yeah, don't... it's like because there's a you know there's an interesting thing. There's another part of that liturgy where it says the doors, the doors. Let us be attentive, you know. And part of that was remember back in the day. Well, actually, we still do this today after the homily, right? We have catechumens who are dismissed from the church, uh-huh. right? And they go off to have their class, and then the rest of the congregation does the creed and the liturgy of the Eucharist. Right. Right. And we, we dismissed the catechumens. And that was the thinking back then. The doors, the doors, let us be attentive. That was the signal. OK, catechumens out. And well, back then they locked the doors. Right. <laughs> we, we don't do that now, of course, but they, they locked the doors again to say that this part of the liturgy are for those who have been initiated into the faith, who have been baptized. So now we say wisdom. Be, now we're talking about the doors of our hearts. Right. Mm-hmm. Let us not close the door of our hearts. Let us open the door of our hearts to receive the gospel that God's about to give us, because we're about to hear the words of Jesus. So wisdom, you know, open your hearts to receive, because, you know, be attentive, because God's about to speak to us, you know? Yeah. And we say, I mean, all right, wait, the Lord be with you, with your spirit, a reading from the Holy Gospel. That's scriptural, but I love that Eastern piece that about wisdom, be attentive, you know, open your hearts to receive what you're about to hear, because the Lord is about to speak to your life to your situations, to your needs, to your heart, you know? And I I just love the way that kind of beautiful gathering of our thoughts and our hearts to be united with Christ. It's also uh, an announcement of what you're going to hear, and that is divine wisdom. Mm -hmm. It's about to be proclaimed. Pay attention. Be attentive. You know, yeah, that's a that's actually yeah. something we should say more off. As a matter of fact, going forward, when I'm about to say something smart, I will tell my friends, wisdom, be attentive. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, sanctify our daily <laughs> lives, that. right? Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, so cool. So, you know, Deacon, I mentioned before that there's this idea, wisdom, you actually talked about this, about how wisdom is the most perfect of the gifts, because it actually ties up all of the other, the gifts, wisdom, counsel, understanding, fortitude, knowledge. In some ways, we last week we were chatting about counsel, the idea that counsel is kind of like prudence, but wisdom is, again, being able to discern the mind of God and to relish and to appreciate and to want to embrace that which is divine and that which leads us to salvation. And so therefore wisdom is kind of helps us rightly order everything else and to seek and to desire 
and then to know how to seek, how to pursue that which is divine and that which leads to salvation. And that makes this really a fantastic capstone of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a way. Yeah, that that is so true. You know, in, in the book of wisdom, he's talking about being the wisdom of Solomon. And look how he received that gift of wisdom, I think, which is eye-opening for us as well. You know, he was asleep, but when he was sleeping, the Lord asked him, what, what do you want? And he could have asked for anything. He could have asked for riches. He could have asked for faith because he's about to take over the kingship from his father, David. Right. He could have asked for, but he asked for chokma, which is an understanding mind, which is, which is translated as wisdom so that he may know what God's will is and fulfill it. What? <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. That's why he's always known as the wisest king. Now, David is the greatest king in the history of Israel because he was the only king that never followed a false god or worshiped a false god. Uh, because remember what happened with Solomon. As, as wise as he was, wise as he was, you know, he he let his uh, you know carnal desires get the best of him. He married all those women and started worshiping their gods, and he went off the rails. Yep. But before that, he's considered the wisest king in the history of Israel. And many of the wisdom books are attributed to him, particularly Song of Songs and uh, the Book of Wisdom, which in the Masoretic text is actually called the Wisdom of Solomon. Okay. But he, he says in there, you know, for wisdom is a kindly spirit and will not free the blasphemer from the guilt of his words, but because God is witness of his inmost feelings and a true observer of his heart and a hearer of his tongue. Let the spirit of the Lord see, see how wisdom is tied to the spirit. Yep. Right. So this is beautiful because th I think this sets the precedent for wisdom being one of the gifts of the spirit. Right. Cause even in the old Testament, we see the connection between the spirit of God and this beautiful wisdom, this understanding mind. And, and, and with the mind geared toward understanding God, you know, that it's beautiful here. And again, uh, referred to as she here in, in the book of wisdom as well. Yeah. You know, one of the things that comes to my mind is that uh, particularly in the liturgy of the hours, particularly in mm. daytime prayer, wisdom is regularly mentioned. Wisdom comes up constantly in the four-week cycle of psalms and readings for midday prayer. And, of course, midday prayer is one of the sets of hours that probably most people don't pray. It's often, typically, uh, it's those who are praying all the hours, particularly in monasteries where they're gathering at, at noon, perhaps at 9, noon, and 3 p.m., in addition to morning prayer, you know, kind of uh, what we think of as lauds and vespers, morning and evening prayer, the two hinges of the day in the liturgy of the hours. But midday prayer really focuses on wisdom. And I think that that's actually instructive to us because that's when you need it most, right? When you're in the midst of your daily life, when you're in the midst of your work, when you're in the midst of kind of getting it done day in and day out, that's when we need wisdom in our lives most often. So I think the church, in her wisdom, proposes to us to reflect upon the gift of wisdom and to pray for and to ask God to increase the gift of wisdom in our lives. And so that we too can be filled with the wisdom of Solomon. And so that's something that comes to mind for, for me. No, you're absolutely right. 
and what I love about the liturgy hour is how much scripture is in there. Because I pray the whole office every day, and I'm just. I mean, you're just drowning in scripture. You're, you're yeah, soaking yeah. in scripture. In fact, coming up, oh, I think it's week two on Fridays. It said, God did not make, this from the book of wisdom, God did not make death, nor does he rejoice in the destruction of the living. You know, I love that. God does not yeah. make death, right? Because death is the result of our choice to say no to God. Because death was never intended when God created. Remember, God says, I'm not the God of the dead. I'm the God of the living, right. Jesus says. For he fashioned all things that they might have being, and the creatures of this world are wholesome, and there is not a destructive drug among them, nor any domain of the netherworld on earth, for justice is undying. So it shows us here that God is a God of the living, and nothing on this earth can take us away from the power of entering into this loving relationship with God in wisdom. Yeah. You know, we just have to want it. We just have to desire it. And I think that's why the work that we're doing here is important to at least help people make a deeper connection with their faith so that they can become more enlightened, so they can open their hearts more deeply to wisdom, to help them perfect within themselves the gifts that God has placed there, these gifts of the Spirit, to utilize them more wisely and more courageously, which we need to do in our world today. You know, I was uh, thinking yesterday, Ken, about uh, a YouTube video I saw recently with Lila Rose, head of uh, live action, yeah, where she was on with Dr. Phil. Now, oh, yes, I was like, holy cow. First of all, the courage it takes for her to get up there, because knowing that the whole crowd is going to be against her, she's up there with Planned Parenthood, and, and I forget who the other person was, what organization they were from, but they were also definitely um, choice people. Uh, and she's like the only one. <laughs> yeah. The only you know, and, dissenting and, voice. And, but the way, you see, to me, she responded with wisdom, not just with knowledge, but with wisdom. Whenever someone attacked her, the first thing she did, she responded with empathy. I could totally understand. You know, I appreciate what you're saying. You know, I feel so sorry that that happened to you. I mean, it was just, and the way she responded with love and with inspiration and with kindness and with empathy it was even though she was being attacked at sometimes you know uh, she didn't respond to the same way i said this is christ i mean this is the way christ wants us to engage the culture yeah and she did so beautifully why are we so afraid you know why are we so afraid so i, I think the more we cooperate with wisdom the more we're able to say with saint john right perfect love casts out all fear yeah. So we have to learn how to love more than be afraid, and wisdom helps us to do that. Amen. Well, let us pray for wisdom, particularly uh, in this coming week, and especially for those who are, you know, kind of in the lion's den, as uh, as Lila was, as you described there. And we'll put a link to that, by the way, that video, which really is powerful. We'll put a link to it on our Facebook group, which is where we invite you to connect with us. If you're on Facebook, go to Living Stones Media and just join our little group there. We put links on occasion. And, uh, and yeah, so connect with us. You can also download previous episodes of the show at materdeiradio.com. But uh, Deacon, until we gather next week, can we pray for wisdom and have a blessing? Yes. May Almighty God bless you and keep you and protect you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. 
Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.